Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Elaine Cha. People's lives are built around stories they tell about others and themselves. Committing those stories to paper gives them another life, the sort that can be passed along, read for what's there and what's between the lines, and held as proxy when their best characters, especially those most beloved, depart before they can add more to their tales. Adina Talvi Goodman was a writer who left the world before she could publish a book. So her family and friends, those who knew her, and the stories Adina lived just as much as she wrote, edited her writings into the memoir, Your Heart, Your Scars, as a way to fulfill her dreams and share Adina's heart and mind and her very bodiness too. Here to discuss that book and the original beloved author of it is Sarika Talvi Goodman, Adina's sister and a literary scholar and psychotherapist. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Now, Sarika, can you tell us about the genesis of the idea to make this book and maybe what it took to clear it with your family? Yeah. Um, so I was um, Adina's longtime reader um, and um, collaborator. So I knew what she was working on um, when she died and she um, was still in the the creating process. The book hadn't taken shape yet. So when she died, um, in the shock and horror of her dying, it wasn't something we had prepared for. It wasn't something she had prepared for. Um, it was my way of still being with her to gather everything I could um, that I knew deserved to be shared, mm-hmm. um, everything that felt ready enough and everything I knew she'd be more or less okay with um, being shared. And I put it into a manuscript and I brought it to my family. I brought it to the One Story folks, um, Hannah Tinty um, and her skill as an editor and who knew my sister super well. So, um, and I said, um, let's, and to Joe Firestone, Dina's lifelong closest friend who wrote the foreword, um, and we all, kind of made this out of a labor of love, um, shaped it into the book that it is now. And in what form were Adina's writings? So it was a mix of things. It was polished pieces that she would she had prepared for workshops at Iowa, so she was a year into her MFA program. Um, so there were several pieces that were um, sort of like just emerging into the book that Adina was dreaming of writing. So she was, you know, the book she wanted to write. Um, I, I knew, you know, what, just from conversations what that book, what she wanted that book to be. So there were some pieces that were starting to to move towards that. Mm-hmm. And then there were pieces that she had been struggling with for a long time that were in like 10 versions. So I had to create sort of separate files of those essays and a couple of those are in the book. Um, 
And a couple were just assignments for courses that she probably would be like, why would you share, you know, why would you share this? But it's all I had. And mm-hmm. um, it, it is so beautiful and such a gift to other people that um, even if she would have probably written something, you know, so much more ready, um, it, there, there's so much there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in selecting the partners... Um, we do have another of them here, uh, and that is a, a colleague and friend of Adina, um, an instrumental partner in realizing your heart, your scars as a published memoir, and that is Hannah Tinty. Um, she's co-founder and executive director of the nonprofit One Story and editor of the manuscript. Hannah, thank you for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Now, you came to know Adina when she joined One Story as an intern, and she was later hired as a managing editor. Um, Please tell us, what is One Story, and what was it that set Adina apart in your contact with her in that context? One Story is a literary magazine that publishes one short story at a time. It's kind of like a short story of the month club. And we started um, publishing these short stories in 2002. Um, So we've now been doing it for over 20 years. And we're actually one of the largest literary magazines in the country. And Adina came to us, as you said, as an intern. And when we were looking for a new managing editor, we went right back to Adina because she made such a wonderful impression on us. You know, she has so much energy, so much magic, we called it, really. Um, And she also had a way of charming everyone (laughs) and also disarming everyone. Um, She had a way of really pulling you into a deep conversation very quickly. You know, there are those people that you meet who very, you know, who don't stay on the surface in a conversation. And because Adina was so real in that way, she formed great connections with our writers. And she was a huge supporter of emerging writers and marginalized voices. And that's something that we've, you know, tried to continue on since she left us. We are going to take a very quick break. We'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. our conversation with Sarika Talvi Goodman and Hannah Tinti about the posthumously published book, Your Heart, Your Scars by Adina Talvi Goodman. Hannah, before the break, you were talking with us about how you came to know Adina through one story. And when Sarika reached out to you to participate in putting this book together, what made you decide to say yes? I saw how beautiful the writing was. And some of these essays were pieces that Adina had previously published and that I was familiar with. And some of them were new works that she was working on while she was studying for her MFA at the Iowa Nonfiction Writing Program. So she had actually left New York 
to go to Iowa and improve her writing and really focus so that she could complete this manuscript, which was the first book she was working on, as Sarika said. So the writing is so beautiful and so important. It was also a book, I will say, that I had never read anything about this experience before, about what it is like to be a transplant patient. And, you know, this book also is not just about being a transplant patient. It's about wrestling with very big issues about life and about gratitude and about loss. So I think it is something that will really move people and be important to read. And we were saying that this book was made out of both love and grief by Adina and all of us, but it is also a gift to readers. And I really can't wait to share it out to the world. Mm-hmm. That's certainly what I felt as I was reading the introduction, um, the notes, the the first story, which was one that was published um, when Adina was still with us. Hannah, as an editor, uh, maintaining fidelity to Adina's voice as you knew her, and then as a friend, knowing her in ways that sometimes like, family doesn't get to know because you have a different kind of relationship. Did that ever, or those things, did they ever come up as, as challenges or questions as you were working on this project? Well, I think that was actually one of the strengths of having this team together, having both Adina's family and people like us who knew worked with Adina for over six years, uh, you know, daily in the office and knew her. Um, and also having Joe Firestone involved, who was Adina's closest friend who grew up with her. Um, we each knew Adina in different ways. And so as a result, when we were going through this, we, we worked really hard together as a team to get this closest to what Adina would have wanted. And I, and I will say as an editor, doing posthumous editing, you know, posthumous books should be read with softness. Mm-hmm. They're an unfinished work, just as Adina's life was unfinished. But at the same time, you know, it's an important piece of writing that should really be out in the world. And the other thing I'll say is that all of the words in this book are Adina's. Mm-hmm. Any edits or changes that we made that were necessary were taken from previous drafts of her essays. So that's one of the things that, as an editor, I worked try, tried to do. It was really just clarifying things or you know, arranging some of, you know, fixing the typos, mm-hmm, certainly. <laughs> things like that that an editor would do, but I, I only used Adina's own words in writing mm-hmm. in order to make those fixes. So it was all coming from her. Well, and this is a wonderful segue to hearing some of Adina's words as it, it is presented in the memoir in one essay titled The Condition of My Transplanted Heart is One of Remembering Adina writes about the first Thanksgiving after her transplant and how she celebrated it with her old heart Um, Hannah could you read that for us? I'd be glad to so here it begins After my heart was taken out I asked if I could bring it home with me It was an unusual request, one the hospital had never fulfilled before. My cardiologist asked if it was a Jewish thing. My parents are rabbis, and they both said, no, it's not a Jewish thing to take your organs home with you. All I could say was that I wanted it. 
It had been mine, and I didn't want it to be thrown away. They released it to me in an urn through a funeral parlor as my own remains. I suppose it does remain, in a way, as evidence of the great event. I now have two hearts in my possession, one inside and one out in an urn. The process of getting my heart released took a few weeks. I went to the hospital for a checkup around Thanksgiving, and my doctor presented me with a square wooden box. It was the cheapest urn, my mother said. My family doesn't usually do much for Thanksgiving. But the year of the transplant, our gratitude was overwhelming. So we made about seven kinds of pie and then opened the box to view the heart. Inside, there was a white, round, tall plastic container. Inside that container, my heart. We all wore plastic gloves. We put newspaper down on the table in case the liquid the heart was preserved in dripped. I removed my heart and held it in two hands. It was large, pale yellow, and deformed, but it hardly dripped. We passed it around and said thanks. Thanks to my old heart for doing all it could. Thanks to the new heart for being so good. Thanks to each other for coming home. I thought about the donor's family. It overwhelmed me to think that somewhere not so far away, there was someone young like me, small like me, with O-positive blood like mine, missing from a table. My family's gratitude, our joy, comes in a large part from another family's grief. It's not a direct correlation or a direct result. I did not cause that death, but I did wait for it to come for a long time. And when it did, I was grateful. But what would that make the condition of my transplanted heart? Not quite grieving, not quite gratitude. What can I call the crawl space in between? Thank you, Hannah, for sharing that excerpt from Your Heart, Your Scars with us. Sarika, you were at that Thanksgiving table, and you knew Adina well before the transplant. She was your younger sister by two years. How much of what Hannah just read reflects the things you know occupied the space of Adina's heart and her mind pre-transplant? I mean, that that scene um, is captured you know, so perfectly. Um, I think just the way that it, you know, this notion of crawl space between gratitude and grief, that runs throughout the book of exploring these in-betweens, these moments, in Adina's words that she wrote, she wrote this somewhere elsewhere, but she wrote, if illness is the night side of life, then I think I write towards moon, towards moments of light and undoing. For me, that was that moment. It was a moment of it was like I can remember the smell of the, the heart. I can remember the, the light flooding into the room, the, even the lightness, like the levity mixed with the heaviness, right? The grief, the, the death um, that, that she almost, you know, her, she was, you know, she was in a cardiac death. You know, she didn't have a heart in her body for, um, for that surgery so um you know so and we all lived through that um enormous experience 
alongside her, but couldn't be, um, you know, couldn't take any of the pain, uh, you know, or difficulty of processing it in her body uh, uh, from her, you know, mm-hmm. we couldn't carry that for her. Yeah. Um, so I think for me that scene very much captures just the the long, long um, journey of what it means to receive a, another person's organ, mm-hmm. like the ethics and politics of organ transplantation in this country, which she explores a lot in the book. Um, these crawl spaces between living and dying, illness and wellness, uh, gratitude and grief. I think it, it really holds all of that, which Adina had lived with as someone chronically ill, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for a heart um, for, for a very long time, for her whole life, really. Um, Just a kind of a, a container and a conduit for yeah. for all of that. Yeah. Has working on this book, or or you know, I say has working. It's, I imagine it is still something that continues, but this project and its realization has that been a kind of space in between grieving and gratitude for you as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was just a way to try to figure out how to keep being with her, you know, like even if she didn't want, you know, I had to really struggle with would she want this stuff out there, how much, which pieces. Um, and But for me, it was like, you know, it was too beautiful, too important. I believed in her work so much um, as her sister and as just a person in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, a huge gift um, to me and, and to, I think, to others mm-hmm. um, to it's share something it. that you're holding in your yeah, hands, Yeah, I carry. Too. It was a way to keep carrying her with me. And yeah. I I did it very slowly. And, you know, it took me all this t- five years, mm-hmm. you know, to, um, I think, even be able to talk about it a little bit. Um, but it did take a, a, long, a long time. Hannah. There is in the closing chapter of the book um, an anecdote that you relate about Adina as superhero. And Sarika, you were talking about the, the levity and the lightness that also was very much part of who Adina was. Um, and that anecdote is um, it's very vivid. Hannah, can you briefly describe what that story was about and how it it made its way into that last chapter? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I just want to say that, you know, even the section that I just read, it shows how Adina was writing about very deep issues, but there's always a sense of humor. You know, the joke at the beginning about, you know, is this a Jewish thing, bringing home art from a hospital? Mm-hmm. Um, so while the focus of this book, you know, is Adina's experience as a transplant patient, I want to say this is not the defining characteristic of her life. It really wasn't. She rarely shared or discussed her transplant with others. She was an actress, a comedian, you know, this amazing writer. She was a huge part of the New York City literary community. You know, she went to clown school in Italy. She traveled around the world. She lived this really vibrant life. And the anecdote that I tell at the end of the book is about um, one time where she was acting as my assistant when I was giving a a lecture about how to create memorable characters. And so one of the examples I use is a classic superhero who has a, you know, a costume, a backstory, a superpower, a weakness, uh, and a mission. 
And so Adina basically would, would we had, you know, props uh, and she, you know, she put on these crazy purple tights and she had a sword and, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was really funny. Of course, she just acted the part out to a T and, and I felt that that was, I told that story because that's really what she was with us. She was just so much fun and, you know, full, always game for anything. And I think because she always walked this tightrope her whole life between life and death, she lived her life to the fullest. And that is a big part of this book as well. I think that seems like a very fitting way to conclude this particular conversation. Sarika Talvi Goodman is Adina's sister and a literary scholar and psychotherapist here in St. Louis. And Hannah Tinty, whom we just heard, is co-founder and executive director for the nonprofit One Story and editor of the Memoirs Manuscript. Thanks to you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dore. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.